Mob Talk acknowledges that we are recording on Bunurong and Bunwurong country. We would like to pay our respects to elders past and present, all Aboriginal people and non-Aboriginal people listening in on the podcast today, and most importantly for myself, acknowledging the resilience of the families and the youth VACA works alongside of. Welcome back to Mob Talk with Talia Little. Welcome back to Mob Talk 2021. You're listening in with myself, Talia Little, a proud Arunta and Lurritcha woman from Central Australia. Please, guys, we now have an Instagram, so chuck us a follow at mobtalk underscore podcast and follow us to keep up to date with all of our new content. Today on Mob Talk, we are joined by my uncle, Cyril Rioli Senior, who's kicking goals. I mean, quite literally in the health space. Coming back from a severe heart attack has turned his life around. He encourages the importance of Aboriginal health amongst our young mob and is not sitting on the bench, not handballing the hard stuff. He's going on front on like he did for all 264 games, winning 12 premierships in his day in the Northern Territory, landing himself in the NT Hall of Fame. Welcome, Uncle, to Mob Talk. Oh, all right. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. So for those of you who don't know... Uncle Cyril is Cyril Rioli Senior. Um, he's from the NT, and he's my he's my uncle. He's my cool, deadly uncle that I sometimes name drop. Um, uncle, can you just tell me where you're from, who's your mob, and how you're going today? Okay, firstly, obviously, um, I'm from the um, uh, on Melville Island, and. Uh, Island north of Darwin, so about 80 k. So my mob are the Chiwi Islanders, the Chiwi mob up there. So um, yeah, and, um, I'm very well today. Can't complain. Start of the week. Excited for a week of work. Oh yeah, um, I look forward because I work at a school, so and mainly Indigenous. Um, uh, it's a, an Indigenous or Indigenous school with students, so I enjoy yeah catching up with them and helping them get through. You know. The education and yeah. Yep. So, is it Quantaf that you work for? Quantaf, yeah. Originally started in Perth back in two thousand. So yeah, um, it's Quantaf Foundation. So been working, started working in two thousand nine up in Darwin, but now I'm in Alice, obviously now. Yeah. Can you explain what Quantaf is and what you do there? Uh, I'm a mentor there, so. It's mainly getting through, um, getting our our mob uh, and indigenous mobs through through their schooling, basically the education, and um, and then you know for them to complete, and then later also we there's also um, indigenous um, uh, sorry there's uh, staff there that are employment officers when they're complete completed school and we know you know school is not for everyone, um, we've got employment officers in each areas and. Um, in each state sort of thing. Um, so they sort of assist and help our young fellas, uh, whether it's in, you know, part-time employment or, yeah, full-time, and uh, also, you know, attending, you know, go to uni or, yeah, we sort of mentor them through that. Oh, cool. So you're helping these young Aboriginal people kind of get to school, uh, do their work and figure out options that are suitable for them because school is not for everyone. Yes, yes, exactly. And also, yeah, we train um, each, you know, each Quantive Academy around Australia. There's about, oh, it's like 
NDNT, Western Australia, uh, Queensland, South Australia, and New South Wales. Uh, there's uh, contract academies there, so at each, a lot of the schools, and we train um, twice, in, you know, twice a week at around about, or some start earlier. So like when I say earlier, waking the, you know, at a, I'm at a, a ten day at Irara College, it's a boarding facility, so um, we've got to get, you know, obviously turn up and we wake them up around about twenty past six in the morning from their dorms and uh, get them over to our, our space, our academy room, and um, they're putting on footy boots and, yeah, guarantees and, and that uh, to get them uh, early morning training twice a week. Wow, that's really good. I mean, that's a thing we see a lot in our young people down in Victoria is that all our youth sleep in. It's a big thing of sleeping in and then they're lazy for the rest of the day and it's this whole big ordeal to kind of get up really early. So that's really cool that you guys are going in and getting up early. Do you ever get some... Do they ever snap back at you for getting them up that early? Well, some, yeah, just turn away and, oh, you know, you hear a bit, of, a bit of growling and, yeah. But, yeah, we sort of turn the lights on. Uh, one of my co- co-workers goes in and, you know, it's sort of starting to cool down here in Alice. So come winter, you know, mid-June or whatever, he goes into the dorms and virtually rip, rips the um, uh, their dooners off. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you have to, especially with young people. They'll just put their head back under the cover and go to sleep. Yes, exactly. And the dorm, I guess, the dorm troop, we're a bit lucky, I guess. Um, they've got, uh, what do you call it, um, male um, boarding staff there, and, you know, they're, they're, they're in a routine. So they've just come back, for, they've just come back, you know, returned last, actually last Tuesday, they started returning, travelling in back back from, because it's there, they're from, the students come from all over the territory virtually from, when I say, you know, they're from Borroloola, Robinson River, up near Catherine, um, around, you know, uh, there's Tennant Creek, there's Elliot, uh, and also Hermansburg, Unindamu, uh, Santa Teresa, the Fink, they, um, the, our fellas and ladies is also, there's, um, yeah, and uh, they they come in from you know those those communities, so you know for the last six seven weeks they've been on holidays and up you know very late as usual back in back in their communities not all of them but yeah so you know nowadays they're up late as I said yeah either playing music or uh, PlayStation is yeah a big one and yeah PlayStation so that they is got a, a big routine one. <laughs> so they're back you know back in back in a boarding space where they're uh, in bed. Or having a you know their their dinner is at around about five thirty, and they're in their dorms without their phones um, at you know eight eight thirty, and their dorms are locked pretty well much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've got a thing. So you so it's a lot of community kids coming in um, to Quantaf Academy to kind of set them up for a. Well, it's a Urara. It's a Ura, It's at the uh, Urara College, and we're just a program there. That, oh, you know, okay, yeah. Uh, Yep. Mm-hmm. I get what you mean. So you're a program um, yeah. and then you're out of college. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. That's really cool. And so you guys train twice a week. Yep. Yep. And do you and coach the footy? Yeah, there's, there's four staff at the moment. Um, and we sort of take turns, um, you know, coaching the fellas. So they, a lot of them like, to, you know, a lot of our Indigenous fellas that like to play footy. And uh, 
uh, we try and organise ga- footy games, footy matches after school with um, uh, other academies down here. So there's Centralian Senior College because we're we're a seven to twelve year levels, whereas yeah, and there's uh, Centralian Senior College which is ten to twelve, and uh, Centralian Middle Middle School is seven to nine. So we try and um, organise there yeah, uh, for their age groups um, and year levels uh, a footy games and rugby. Wow. Do you see a lot of talent? There is. I think, um, you know, out there there's, there's lo- you know, a lot of talent. But um, our mob, I think they're not intend to get a homesick if they do go away. And, yeah. Um, but as I said, yeah, there is, you know, there is fellas, you know, a lot, lot, lot of fellas out there and ladies, you know, with plenty of potential. Yeah, I remember um, having a conversation with someone a couple of years ago about how little draft picks there were for the actual AFL from the Northern Territory because, and I don't know if this is right, but um, a lot of our mob, you know, they get homesick. I know your yep. your son, Cyril, um, yep. that was a thing with him as well, being homesick, not being able to go, like be in Victoria, not be able to um, do his fishing and hunting and all that kind of stuff. Yes, yes, that's, yeah. Yes. Um, even when he when he, t- when, he had, when he attended you know boarding school um, from year nine in Melbourne, so you know um, a big a big step from yeah from being around family and um, you know friends uh, to a boarding facility or boarding school in, in Melbourne. Even though he had you know a couple of uncles down there, but yeah, um, a big yeah big what? step to. Yeah, for sure. What boarding school did he go to? He went to Scotch College. Oh, wow. That's a that's a flash school. Yes. So he used to be a did year nine to year twelve. So yeah, eventually yeah, um, got used to it sort of thing. So yeah, um, did well. Yeah, cool. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Uncle Cyril, you are in the NT Hall of Fame for the AFL. NT AFL is that correct? Yes. 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 Can you speak a bit about your football journey and where your love for football came? So I know that you used to play for St. Mary's up in Darwin. Yes, um, St. Mary's in Darwin. Yep. So they were made in 1952, I've read, and they were made by a reverend. Well, the club was funded yes. by a reverend. Can you, yeah, can you speak a bit on that? Well, back in those days... Uh so you you got obviously you've got some information up in front of you, but um yeah back in I guess 1952 I think that obviously started up in up in Darwin, um yeah and I think they were the first I don't, I don't know how that worked back in then but um St Mary's ended up uh, getting a few Indigenous and Aboriginal um, um men young men to to play for the club whereas they weren't I don't know from Bathurst Island mainly. In the community on the TV islands, uh, that's in Melbourne. So they were yeah, the first ones to, to play, I guess, to uh, were allowed. So well, on the other thing, so yeah, I'm uh, not really sure. But um, yeah, played with Saints for for quite a few years, and um, and yeah, I yeah enjoyed every minute of it. I guess you grow up and you, you've got mates, and you know there's older brothers that, that were there playing as well. So you've got no choice but to play there. <laughs> It's kind of like you're not playing anywhere else because you've got to play here. Yes, yes, pretty well much. Yes, I was reading that um, that most other clubs wouldn't let 
full Aboriginals play, full blood Aboriginal people play. So besides Wanderers footy yeah. football club, so that's pretty um, crazy yeah. to think now. We've got so many talented young Aboriginal men and women that play football that, that we weren't allowed to play in a normal club. Yes, that's very, yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, I guess I should be looking into those, yeah, that, that sort of side of things. But I sort of, yeah, pushed it aside sort of thing and, yeah, don't really look into history, yeah, really. So, yeah, no, maybe I need to, need to catch up on those information. Yeah, for sure. So did all your brothers play for St Mary's? Yeah, most of them did play. Um, a couple went to other clubs up there because they, you know, they had mates and, and that, so good mates at other clubs. So they sort of went, went that way as well. So went to those other clubs. So, yeah, and, and older brother Morris, um, one of the clubs up there in Waratah's football club, was sort of struggling when he sort of finished uh, his days in the, in, the, in the VFL back in those days. Um, Mid-80s, I think it was. Yeah, and they and uh, Waratah Football Club asked, oh, you know, chased him up to try and get him to rebuild the, the footy club up there. So otherwise, yeah, um, they were gonna, yeah, obviously, um, were they gonna kick him out of the competition because they struggled for a couple of years. So um, they end up getting, yeah, recruiting, doing some recruiting, and then uh, older brother Morris went and helped out and coached them for a number of years. Cool. That's really cool. Um, so, NTAFL Hall of Fame, how did you get there? How did you, Uncle Cyril, get into the Hall of Fame? Well, good question. Um, <laughs> I guess, I think now the, the process is um, you get people, I think, uh, ring up or either fill out a form to nominate, you get nominated. Yeah, so I've played... Since 1982, when I was 16, I played my, my first senior game up there, up in Darwin, and finished about for 2003. So I played all up with, with, with the footy club up there, St Mary's. I played 264, 63 games, sorry, senior games up there. So, and yeah, I, you know, the players we had in the team, um, those years, uh, I was lucky enough to win, you know, um, a number of premierships. When I say a number, I was lucky to win 12. Oh, 12 gosh. Senior, 12 senior premierships up there. So, and the, as I said, the, 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 the players we had was, uh, yeah, pretty special. That's a, that's a lot of premierships. <laughs> very talented, <laughs> yes, uh, very yeah. talented. Uh, just, yeah. So do you feel just like that? team that. Do you Sorry? feel like... Because AFL, well, not AFL, football, I should say, um, you know, all your brothers and your uncles played it. Was that heavily influenced into your children? Well, pretty much. I've got a, a son and daughter. So, um, you know, I guess he had no choice um, pretty well much. But I wasn't one to force him or, you know, you know, come on, you've got to go training or practice of kicking. I just, you know, let him be. Um, you know, in the end, yeah, I think, I think that, in my opinion, if you try and force, they go, they turn the other way, or you know, go the other way. They won't care. So my thing was just let him go. And he had cousins, obviously, and 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 mates that basically played footy. So um, yeah, he sort of yeah. And my daughter plays as well. So um, they just you know, with, with family and friends, they yeah, obviously um, 
chase the footy around. Yeah, well, that's true. We see a lot of parents forcing their kids to um, constantly play football games or push them even harder and the kids kind of rebel and turn away. So, I mean, Cyril being able to do that on his own and find his own passion and love for the football has led him to a lot of success. Yes, certainly. Um, especially, you know, all I say to a lot of people, um, he's lucky enough to play, you know, in five premierships. Uh, not five, five grand finals with four. Yeah, lucky enough to win four. So, you know, again, you know, very special. Yeah. And with your AFL or your football career, I should say, did you, what was your health like? Did you prioritise your health? Were you prioritising fitness? Did it come naturally to you? Uh, is that something you saw in the community? Um, football teaching people to be healthier um, amongst our mob? Well, later on, I guess, uh, as a young adult, you know, an adult, I obviously moved, moved over to the islands, up on Chiwi Islands, on, on Garden Point, or it's got a, a, several names, calling Gimpy. So um, we sort of trained over there with the local team. Um, and we, you know, it's very, uh, we train twice a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays. Um, and also, for me, um, I guess moving over there, um, there wasn't any easy access to fast foods. You know, your Hungry Jacks, your McDonald's, your KFC, your Red Roosters, your fish and chips, you know. Um, very greasy and, yeah, um, not very healthy, healthy um uh, meals there, so uh, you know, there are times, you know, in, in down, you know, easily, oh, feel slack. I don't want to cook tonight or this evening. I'll go get a pizza or, you know, Macca's or whatever. Whereas over there, you've, yeah, basically, um, there's not, not, not that temptation so, as, as, in, in, as in Darwin. So on the islands, sort of, you know, I worked a bit so, on my fitness. So, yeah. Uh, you do some extras and, and now the weather up there during footy season, it's May till, or what is it? No, up there, it's, the season up there is October till the end of March. So it's during the wet season and it's hot as the humidity. Yeah. Oh gosh. It is. Football season yep. in the wet season in Darwin. That's just, yes. That's horrible. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Humidity. You sweat. Sweating. Yeah. All you do is sweat mm-hmm. in the wet season. Yep. Sweat, yes. be hot, and sweat yep. are the three and things. Then, yeah. And uh, nowadays, I think they're on. You know, now I think you got the junior grades. They start from under sixteens, under eighteens. You know, the junior grades, both both young fellas, male and female, competitions up there. Um, yeah, you know, they start at nine, ten a.m. So, yeah, yeah, you have to start early. Yes. You have to start early in the day because if you don't, you'll just be dead because of the heat. Yeah. Sometimes you're playing at 12 and, yeah, I've played a number of games at midday. Yeah, towards the end of my, my career. So, yeah. Yeah. So, very, very, very hot. Tiwi Islands, you weren't tempted by the fast foods and whatnot. What about when you did move to Darwin and you did – you know, go to Alice Springs after your football career, did you feel like your health declined? Did you see a lot of um, men's health declining as you grew older, as th- as more fast food chains came to, into Alice Springs and Darwin? 
I think yeah, nowadays I think you, you know you um just the um stats you you know that you read and the information that's that's out there. Uh, a lot of our mob, you know, um, our mob are passing away at a, at a very young age. So, um, you know, for me to move, move away and uh, never thought I'd be, you know, moving to Alice Springs, to be honest, from, uh, from, from Darwin or the Tiwi Island. So, yeah, um, a lot of our mob, I, I look and, and I was one of them, I guess, back you know, living in the heat back in Darwin. Um, you know, you feel, you know, go to the up in the car, you're feeling, you know, driving around and you're feeling a bit thirsty and sweaty and whatever. My first thing was go to the, you know, servo or, or a supermarket and grab a can of Coke was my, yeah, um, you know, to quench that thirst and it was my, my, my you know, temptation to, to do and um, bad habits. So, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, um, yeah, and I look at our mob basically majority of them will go, you know, and grab a, a Coke or a lemonade or Fanta. They're just those uh, very sugary drinks. So I decided, yeah, I decided, no, nah, I've got to, I've got to change as well. Um, I no longer, you know, was playing footy. So, you know, um, to be more active and, you know, fitness wise, um, as I said, I wasn't training, you know, twice or three times a week. So, uh, I'm playing footy. So, um, you know, couldn't be drinking those. So I've sort of given the, I gave that up, gave the Coke out. I decided to give the Coke up and say, right, you know, that's it. Uh, 2017, January 31st, I thought, nah, that's my last Coke I've had. And uh, I haven't had one since. Wow. Haven't had a Coke since. That's yeah. that's a pretty big thing in the Northern Territory, drinking soft drink. I remember growing up there, even I would with my dad or my uncle or, you know, family members would be in the car, like you said, driving along, real hot. Let's go to Macca's for a cold drink. Like, let's stop past yep. and get a Coke or a Diet Coke because, you know, us mob think it's better for some reason. Um, go stop and get a Diet Coke and that was our refreshing drink rather than going for water. Even mob in Alice Springs, you know, you're always seeing mob walking around with hot chips and a Diet Coke or a Coke. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I guess it's a risk because us mob are predisposed to diabetes. So yeah. that's a huge thing in our community. Yeah. And if you don't mind me speaking, um, I understand you had a severe heart attack a couple of years ago. Um, and that must have been a massive stage in your life to kind of realise where your health was at and what you need to do about it. Yes, on that, um, I was probably... After finishing, you know, footy, playing football, um, that's probably the weight-wise, I was probably at my lowest, at, you know, about 78, 79 kilos. And, um, you know, I was one for, because I'm fairly stocky and, I, you know, my playing weight later on in, you know, towards me and my career was probably the mid-80s in kilos. So, um, I, yeah, I thought, yeah, I'm fine. I'm 79 kilos. I'm all good. But um, yeah, uh, I tried to do my bronze medallion down down in the Alice Springs uh, pool down here, and obviously um, had a massive heart attack trying to do some. I think you got to do 400, 400 meters. Yeah, about 400 meters with different strokes, obviously in the in the pool. Um, and you got to do it. You get timed, obviously. The bronze, uh, you got to do it in something like 
13 minutes, 13 minutes on 25 set or whatever it is. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember um, completing it. Um, yeah, and um, I had a massive heart attack in the pool while doing it. So, um, uh, and then this is back in, I think, what was it? 2017, September, it was two days, it was a Thursday, two days before the um, grand final between the Adelaide Crows and uh, Richmond. So I remember that. Um, so yeah, I had a massive heart attack and then uh, was in a coma for about a week and a half in Alice Springs Hospital. So um, eventually um, came out of the coma, obviously, and then when I was well and fit enough to to go, I was uh, on my way down to Adelaide, at Royal Adelaide Hospital, to get a, a triple bypass. For about five weeks, I was down there. Uh, and after uh, the surgery, I was there for another, oh, yeah, say five weeks, but then I returned for another, back, got the all clear to return, back to Alice, spent a week in the Alice Hospital to get the all clear. And then, yeah, um, as I was leaving, getting discharged, uh, I decided to go up um, or go to the um, ICU in Alice there to, you know, to uh, say a big thank you to the um, staff there. And one of the ladies actually, or one of the nurses, pulled me aside and said, um, I'm not sure if, you know, if you've been told or um, they said, she, she mentioned, she quietly mentioned that they actually called time on you in the um, emergency, you know, in the ED department, um, yeah, from the pool. So, but for some reason, my eyes sort of blinked or, yeah, yeah, they sort of blinked sort of thing and they, they continued. So, you know, ended up having a, yeah, a triple bypass, as I said, in Adelaide. But, um, yeah, the, la- la- the lady did mention, the nurse did mention that, yeah, so I sort of, yeah. I was very, I guess, or well, what could you say? Emotional, I guess. Getting told, you know, they'd call time. So, yeah. Uh, and here, I'm, I'm very lucky to be here. Get me a chat to you. Yeah, very lucky. It sounds as well. You had a heart attack in the pool. That's that's, yes. that's something in itself, yes. you know, and that's a massive journey yep. um, and a massive wake-up call. I guess, to how yep. easy it is to see, you know, you were trying to get your fitness and your life back on track. You've quit Coke um, and you're swimming in the pool, doing some exercise and you have a heart attack. So it's not just, you know, a short-term fix of exercise and looking after yourself. That takes a long time. That's a that's a life thing. It certainly is. So, uh, you know, I, I you know, obviously try and encourage, you know, um, all my family members and, you know, if you get the, uh, a yearly, annually, you know, uh, health check, uh, yeah, because, uh, yeah, I've lost a couple of, you know, three older brothers. Um, yeah, one was, or I think the eldest was just over 50. Oh, yeah, I think three of them. I think two, oh, sorry, two oldest ones were just, you know, 55 or something or, just over 50 when they had their heart attacks and obviously lost them. So, yeah, got three brothers that have, yeah, uh, basically four, really, that have, that have left us. So, yeah, um, you know, we don't realise, yeah, the importance of, you know, 
getting those checkups, um, those you know, yearly checkups, you know, which can help us, you know, yeah, life. Yeah, thanks, Uncle, for sharing those stories um, with us. That's yeah, I'm really sorry about the passing of your older brothers, but and it also shows. Um, how common it is you know if we don't look after ourselves if we don't put our health first and I think that's a common thing with men I think they struggle to get their health checks well Aboriginal people in general but everyone in general to remind themselves that their health is important and these you know that needs to come first yep certainly um yeah some of them you know when they've got pains or whatever they might say oh it's okay uh yeah, instead of, you know, getting, you know, straight to the hospital or getting it checked out. So, a lot of our, yeah, you know, a lot of our, our elders and that, our mob are, are leaving us. So, it is, yeah, disappointing. Yeah, and I guess that's why it takes good mentors and role models like you to install that into our young people's minds. You know, you've got to get your health checked. You've got to put this first. You've got to go into town. You know, you've got to stop drinking that Coke and you've got to eat your veggies, you know. Yep, certainly. And, you know, with, with the, where I work with the Contaf um, Foundation, you know, we also, you know, um, I look after that. Uh, that's my sort of area I've taken hold of and um, taken, you know, four fellas twice a week from school um, on a Monday and Thursday for their, you know, at their, at their local clinic here. So our fellas are always, yeah, each, you know, all the programs around, around Australia, are, the program is, yeah, also pushing our young men you know, to get, you know, taken to, to the clinics and getting health checks. Yep. And with health checks uh, up in the Northern Territory, is it men and women's? Do they have men's centres? Do they have women's centres for that kind of stuff? Like, what, what does that look like? I, I know, uh, I'm not sure in Darwin and, you know, um, I know in Alice, um, the, yeah, they do have um, a women's um uh, health clinic and also a male, so just for males and just for ladies, because you know our mob are not comfortable with you know um, uh, seeing by a female doctor and vice versa. You know, ladies aren't you know comfortable seeing you know male doctors. So you know, um, which is which is very good. I've um, you know obviously I haven't been to the female one here, but um, you know I've been to the male one here and there's yeah, obviously a lot of you know I think it's great to have that. You know, the male and female sort of sort of things with with um with the health clinic, so um you know our, our people get a lot more comfortable in um yeah talking to you know a male and female doctor. Yeah, I think that's really it's a really important aspect of health as well is making the person that is getting checked or getting tested and whatnot really comfortable. And especially with our mob, we've got men's and women's business, and I think that's what I've seen that lacks a little bit. Um, in Victoria is the, you know, we have an Aboriginal health service near us and they're doing an amazing job, um, but it's finding that place to be able to have a male doctor for men because that will encourage them to come in and then a female doctor for women because it makes us feel more comfortable. And I can't speak on behalf of everyone, but I think culturally it's really important. Yeah, I agree, totally. What about the culture aspect in the Northern Territory? I mean... I go back home and I feel immersed with my family and whatnot and here I feel a bit disconnected because well, I'm on Boonerong country right now but, you know, as you know, Nana 
Luricha woman and Grandpa Aranda. So from there, but do you think that us mob up in the NT need to be trying harder to keep our culture alive? I think so. Um, a lot of them, uh, I can only, uh, not, you know, sort of speak for my mob up, up in the Tiwi. You know, a lot of the um, elders are, are leaving us, obviously, but, um, you know, um, they're sort of passing a few things, you know, passing um, the cultural stuff down to the to the young ones, but the real young ones are, yeah, um, I believe, yeah, it needs to be... Uh, it can get stronger. Hopefully it can, yeah, and, and improve. But um, as I said, yeah, uh, most places up there are fairly strong, but um, I can't speak for all. But, um, yeah, we just yeah, hope they can, the younger ones can, can you know, um, step up and be shown, I guess, be taught. And... Yeah, definitely. I think that when we're talking about health, men's health, women's health, Aboriginal health in general, I think it's important to talk about the actual health side of it. So looking after your body, exercising, eating well, but it's, I think a huge important part of that is culture, keeping your brain active in a different way, spiritually and mentally. You know, I look at Nana Bess and she is just, she's, she, she's so old now and she's getting on, but she, her mind is as sharp as ever, especially with culture, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yep. I don't know a um, a woman of that age that has such can remember as many stories as Nana. Yes, she's uh, yeah, very interesting, and you know, um, I've been honoured to to meet her and obviously and um, to be around her at times, and yeah, and just the stories and knowledge yeah, she has, and, and the amount of um, uh, knowledge and understanding of of, of the. Uh, all the different languages, you know, she understands and, and can speak. It's, yeah, down here, it's amazing. She's, she's a very an amazing woman. Mm. So with the rest, the next part of your journey, what are you, what do you look to be doing? Are you going to stay with Quantaf? Do you want to open your own programs? Are you looking to work with more young people? Obviously, I'm happy what I'm doing at the moment. Um getting our young men, you know, through the, you know, completing the education and, um, yeah, I'm basically happy doing that, you know, just, just, just doing this, uh, what I'm doing. So at this day, you know, obviously we'd like to, yeah, go on and do a bit more, but uh, as I said, just, you know, health, health reasons as well. So I can't be uh, stressing out too much, I guess, but um, just, yeah, just what I'm, I'm happy yeah, doing what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah, awesome. So, Uncle Cyril, you know, I would say my brother boy, Cyril Rioli, um, Mm -hmm. he is obviously left the AFL now. Is this something that you think was a good decision for him? Like, are you happy he's home more? Yeah, well, um, I think I wish he was was still playing. Um, Just, uh, what is he, 28? He sort of... Decided to call it quits. Um, yeah, so I know in the past he's mentioned he's all, you know, he's, a, he's played, you know, he's a professional, you know, he's a professional, was a professional football, footballer back then. So, you know, his job was down there basically um, as his job. So to play footy, which he enjoyed. So, um, uh, 
and yeah, wish yeah, as I said, he was still there, but you know, he's decided to be called quits and return home. So, yeah, maybe decided, um, yeah, that was his choice, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Is he looking to work with young people and kind of pass those skills on to other young Aboriginal people? I think he has a few programs up there he's sort of working um, and attending the, um, the, oh, he's teaching and being a mentor, I think, um, for a few of the um, Indigenous uh, males up there. So whether it's, you know, um, at a work site or uh, training program they've organised um, up in Darwin somewhere. Um, yeah, sort of heard you have the grapevine. You're sort of helping out with that. Yeah, right. And for our young people down in Victoria, well, I know you can't really speak for Victorians, but what is some general advice you can give to young men and women out there? You know, uh, starting, you know, young men and Aboriginal women um with their health journey just basically yes um a lot of us tend to um i know for me um i was sort of worried you know i think a lot of us i hope you know some of them are in the same boat as i was you know we're a bit scared uh might have, you go to the doctors and, and get checked out then you know you're a bit scared that they might find something um yeah, some sort of you know sickness um, that you know which can be treated early. So you know just just to be strong and say no, and uh, hopefully you know the elders and that the older ones can can um can really you say support and assist and really push for our our mob, whether it's yeah uh, male females to you know go for a checkup. Um, which is very important and, um, yeah, hopefully, you know, yeah, uh, and even speak to people or, you know, someone that they're comfortable with and, yeah, try and encourage them, you know, to really go and, and get, get their health checked. You know, try, don't leave it till it gets, you know, um, real bad or worse sort of thing, so till it's too late. So basically, um, yeah, it's more to get encouraged and, yeah, Hopefully, um, our mob can yeah be out there and and really you know push push and encourage uh, people to attend yeah these health sessions or or being checked up. Thanks, Uncle, for your great words of wisdom. I'm definitely going to pass that on to my young people, and I think it's super important that we can all identify, even even get as getting older, identify someone that we trust and that we can talk to about our health. I know for myself, I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. I'm always thinking something's wrong. And <laughs> I seriously, I, I have a pain, and I'm like, oh, I have a tumor or something, which is I need to yeah. calm down a bit from that. But it does show the importance of you know if you are feeling a bit uneasy about something, just to get it checked because we want to prevent those things from happening. And with our young people, you know, when you're young, you're a bit more reckless. You, you know, some of our mob are into um, ganja, alcohol, all that kind of stuff. And we want to, you know, put programs and things in place so we can help that and stop those, stop our unhealthy life from taking over our healthy life. Yes, correct. And, uh, you know, we all see it. Um out there with the um, our young mob, yeah, doing those, yeah, um, that sort of stuff. 
as you mentioned. So yeah, hopefully you know they can turn to yeah an uncle or a family member or someone they're not comfortable you know talking to, and hopefully get some help and yeah um and and, and yeah and, and role models as well. So hopefully you know they can um be um able to and comfortable enough to go and speak to someone. Yes. Well, thanks, Uncle, for coming on to Mob Talk today. I've really enjoyed it. I Honestly, it's an honour to be able to talk to you and thank you so much for sharing all your stories with me and um, our listeners at Mob Talk. I really appreciate it and I hope you've had a great time having a yarn. No worries. Thank you. Uh, it's been a pleasure and hopefully, yeah, we'll see you soon. Yeah, hopefully I'll be up to see you soon. Maybe you can teach me some footy skills. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a game. <laughs> Yep, sounds good. Yep, all right. Thanks, Uncle. All right, no worries. Bye. Bye. Take care. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on Mob Talk this week. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and don't forget to chuck us a follow on Instagram. And we'll see you all for another yarn soon. Mm-hmm.